0: Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Jack Savage. Incredible name, right? Obviously. Obviously, in addition to the work that he does here, he kills people. He is a paid assassin. It's a given. His name is a dead giveaway. He's Jack Savage. It's not a question of if he has ever killed anybody, but rather how many he has killed and when will he kill again. I know that. I know this. I didn't need him to tell me that. And again, because his name is Jack Savage. It's not Jack Timid. It's not Jack Tame. It's not Jack Jack Civilized. Jesus Christ, it's Jack Savage. It's Jack Savage. Alright, you know all that. Jesus Jesus Christ, it's Jack Savage.
1: It's Jack Savage.
0: We know this. Here's where it starts to get sort of weird. His dad, John Savage, Jesus Christ, it's John Savage. It's
1: Jack Savage. Hey, John.
0: His dad, John Savage, is the baseball coach at UCLA. That's cool. But there are all these other super weird coincidences that started to present themselves when he started to work here. Like Savage and I, know a bunch of similar people. Savage and I actually run in similar circles, despite the fact that I'm older than his actual dad, John Savage. Jesus Christ, it's John Savage. So Jack and I have got all these weird personal connections that I didn't know about when I hired him. Like, come to find out he used to train with a dude who trained Jake, Logan, and Dodger Jano. That was sort of weird. Then come to find out, Jack Savage's mom works out with one of Janet's best friends. Then one day, Savage just randomly sends me a pic of him hanging out with this gal who is the sister of one of Logan's baseball teammates in high school. I mean, these things just keep happening, one after another. When he applied for the gig, he had dudes that I wouldn't think that he would have any connection to, that I am connected to, calling on his behalf. Like, all this weird stuff with Savage is taking place, and there are all these weird threads that I didn't even know existed, and they just keep popping up. And does make any sense. <laughs> I don't really point any of it out because, like, I don't want to make a big deal of it because, well, I don't want a bullet in my head. Jesus Christ, it's Jack Savage, paid assassin. It's so, you could see where this dude is extremely secretive and keeping all of this on the down low, right? He's Jack Savage, paid assassin. But this is where I draw the line. What am I leading up to? Look at what he thumbed out yesterday on the X. Check out Savage. Look at what he thumbed out yesterday on the X. If you're watching on TV, I think I'll show it to you. If not, I'm going to read you his tweet. Quote, As always, if any of you have problems with the rankings, please come to me and I will fight you on behalf of my grandfather. If you're watching on CBS Sports Network, there it is. There's the actual tweet or X. I will fight you on behalf of my grandfather. And he's got a picture of his grandfather sitting behind a computer at CFP Selection Central with a caption that he included, quote, my grandfather, who ranked every team perfectly. And then he cheesily superimposes his own face over the guy next to grandpa. So Savage and granddad are sitting the committee. And granddad is, wait for it, Chris Alt, Legendary former head football coach, athletic director, and member of the College Football Hall of Fame. I mean, damn, Savage. I don't need to know everything, but maybe you share that. I mean, what else aren't you telling me? Is your stepdad Bill Parcells? When Selection Sunday pops up for college basketball, am I going to find out that Bob Knight is your other grandfather? If so, I'm extremely sorry for your loss. Anything else you're hiding from me, dude? I mean, damn, what's next? Me finding out that another longtime member of the XR4TI is the co-host of a long-running, extremely popular Urban morning show and had been for like a decade before he finally got around to telling me. Winthrop. Oh, scratch that. That actually did happen. No names mentioned. James Bighead Kelly. Or what? What else? Am I gonna find out that one of you on the other side of the glass has been moonlighting on the side as an NBA play-by-play voice? Oh damn, scratch that. That also happened. Am I right, Alvy?
1: heat. Williams inbounds to Tatum. Tatum, top of the arc. Butler switches. The clock at 7. Tatum, working against Butler, has a step. Going to do it himself. Wait, what's this? Bam out of bio. Rejection. Dude, dude, no, no.
0: Bam out of bio. Get that (laughs) out of here. Wham, bam, no slam. Thank you, ma'am. That is ridiculous. (laughs) That is awesome. I, I just wish you had told me, but that's awesome. I mean, this is some hellified crew I have, right? What are you going to tell me next? That another staffer with enormous responsibilities with the XR4TI actually made a movie that he went out with to a bunch of film festivals and took home a bunch of awards and made that movie on the side without me even knowing he did so. Wait, that also actually happened. A former staffer made this amazing movie that was critically acclaimed, and I did not even know about it until its release. I mean, damn. Like, truthfully, you know what I always say? You know how I always say that when I talk about athletes, we don't really know any of these people? We don't really know any of these guys? Well, clearly it applies to my own staff. I mean, holy crap, Savage. I don't need to know the number of kills. But are you related to anybody else famous that I need to know about? And do I have to read about it on the X? Can you not just tell me, are there any other crazy dinks? Bill Belichick's not your uncle, is he? All this time, the grandkid of the creator of the pistol offense has been sitting across the glass from me. I guess maybe I should listen to him when he gives me his football opinions and not send them straight to spam and junk. Like the other night, Jack's trying to tell me. Yo, 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 boss, you got a minute? Uh, no, Jack. I'm busy. I'm doing something. Listen, I'm telling you, boss. Dobbs needs to turn his shoulders perpendicular to the wide receiver. Uh, yeah, okay. Whatever you say, tame. Hey, listen. Do me a favor. Tomorrow morning when you get my coffee, don't forget to tell the barista to make it extra hot. I had to drink lukewarm coffee all morning long. I don't know, maybe Savage. Maybe Savage can moonlight as an offensive consultant for the Bears and teach Fields the forward pass. Maybe my dude Jack can move in with James Kelly and be an advisor on the Colorado Buffalo staff and help Coach Prime with his pocket protection. Hey Jack, when you were filling out your job app, maybe you mentioned these random fun facts in the other information section, instead of that much less important, way less significant stuff like you have a master's degree from Northwestern. Don't care about that. I want to see the family tree, yo. I want to see the family tree. Wait, you think you know a guy? Let me guess, let me guess. For Christmas, you and the fam are driving to Uncle Lou Holtz's house to open presents.
1: Like, I'd like to know where Lou Holtz is right now.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you where he is. With Jack's family.
1: Like, i like to know they where Holtz is right now.
0: Hey, Jack, let me ask you something. When I go to Wisconsin for Christmas, am I going to find out that Barry Alvarez was your high school guidance counselor? That, I don't know, Terry Donahue, Bobby Bowden... RC Slocum, roll at your baptism I mean dude I understand that you're an assassin and all and you gotta play it pretty close to the vest but dude, Chris Alt is your granddad, and I found out about it on Twitter? The hell is that? This dude man (laughs) What do you have to say for yourself brah? Who else do you know? Who else are you related to? What else do I need to know? (laughs) that's not true are you craving some protein after a good workout probably so listen this time don't make a shake do not eat a bar grab instead a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper that's my go to why Old Trapper because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and it's tender and it's made from real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire plus Old Trapper is a family owned business I know this family, and I know they take smoked beef extremely seriously, so you can taste it in every single bite. I mean, who wants dried, rough beef in a bag? Nobody. It's like eating an old shoe. Old Trapper, though, is the real deal, and it comes in four amazing flavors. Old-fashioned, teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy. So the next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for it in the Clearview bag. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, just ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? Okay, here's another one. He just hit me with this, live. This I did not know. Dude, do you happen to know the connection I have with that guy? This guy, man. He just hit me with, insert, and I'm going to hold the name, insert was my babysitter. When, dude? No, like how old were you when, this, when he was your babysitter? Last year? No. Questions, man, I have questions. He just hits me with Barry Zito was my babysitter. <laughs> Barry Zito was your babysitter. Uh, ba- oh, ba- Barry Zito was your babysitter. What I want to say is, oh, really, Sandy Koufax was mine. But given all these other things, I know this is true. I don't really, uh, look, I know you're connected. I know your dad's a baseball coach. How Barry Zito was your babysitter, I'd love to know. How would that come to be, dude? Alright, all right. so Barry, Barry bounced around in college Barry spent time as a gaucho Barry spent time at Pierce College in the Valley Barry was at SC, right? Alright, John Savage was the pitching coach at SC Dude, how was Barry as a babysitter? Coolest dude ever or are you too young to remember? Pretty laid back, he says Savage, you're something else, dude Alright, so Barry Zito was his babysitter let me ask you this, dude. If you were a toddler, and we're just riffing now because I didn't know that. If you were a toddler, did Barry sing you lullabies to sleep like this?
1: Together on the sand, <laughs> we walked hand in hand.
0: On the beach front, Barry did this on the show. It was one of the most I courageous things I've ever seen in sports. I love Barry Zito, man. Barry Zito is one of my favorite human beings. I love this guy so much. Savage, you're something else, dude. But you're not worthy of Barry babysitting you, just so you know that. What else you got, dude? Where where are these fun facts in your app? And to to think that one of the reasons I hired you was you had a master's degree from Northwestern. That no longer impresses me. All these other fun facts do, though. Especially you threatening to fight anybody who says anything about granddad selections.
2: It's a fight.
0: Savage. He's Jack Savage, man. If you want to try him, you go right ahead. He's a paid assassin. yogi roth he joins us via zoom yogi it's been a minute how you feeling brother
1: it's been a minute but i've been tracking you on instagram man i see you on those boats i see you having fun with the family man so great to great to hear your voice again and see your face you too dude you too first things first how great is ball and
0: especially this time of year
1: Yeah, no, it's so great. I mean, you look at the year the West Coast has been where we reside. It's been it's been a beautiful year, you know, in a year that, you know, began with lunacy when you look at the conference realignment and things that no one could have anticipated within the Pac 12. But here we sit championship week, and you've got multiple teams that are undefeated. You've got a bunch of one-loss teams, you got conference championship games that actually matter, chaos that can happen potentially in the CFP. And in the Pac 12 on Friday night, you got two Heisman, I think, finalists. That are competing at quarterback of Michael Penix Jr. and Bo Nick. So it has been a it has been a beautiful year, man. Our crew leaned into all the fun moments. We even finished calling a Notre Dame versus Stanford game. So a year of many things that were unexpected, but but one definitely full of joy.
0: Yogi Roth is joining us. I want to get into as much of that as I possibly can. But let me get your reaction first to last night's unveiling of the new college football playoff rankings. Yogi, what stood out to you from last night?
1: Yeah, I think a couple of things stood out. Wonder I still wonder why Utah's not ranked. And then I see Tennessee, I see Kansas State, and I see teams like that, and then have the similar record. And all of your one of Utah's losses are against teams that are ranked currently in the top twenty five. I say that because you're gonna hear the argument if Oregon wins on Friday night, well, what are their ranked wins? You know, and I think that Utah one is one that uh, I think is valid when you look at what that team's been the last couple of years and, and how they performed this season. I think the other thing that that stood out to me is, is probably what the committee's decided to do around these one-loss teams, and they continue to put Oregon as the highest-ranked one-loss team. And I think that's really fair. And I understand when you look at strength of schedule of Alabama and Texas, but I, I think when, at least what my eyes tell me, is that I think Oregon's playing the most complete football in the back half of the season than anybody in America, including Georgia, including Michigan. They've just been dominating teams. They're NFL-caliber players at every layer of offense, defense, special teams. I and mean, they've been really, truly elite. They've been dominating teams. So I'm glad that they stayed there. Uh, I look at Friday night as a play in-game. Winner is automatically in in the Pac-12. So I was, I was glad to see the Ducks stayed where they sat in the, uh, in the most recent rankings.
0: We were talking to Yogi Ross. So finished that thought, what do you think is going to happen on Friday night? It was six weeks ago that the Huskies handed the Ducks their only loss. What do you make of the way they've both played since then? And how do you see the rematch going?
1: Yeah. One of the coolest things about my craft over the last you know, 20 years being in the Pac-12 is access within these schools and programs. And Dan Lanning, Kaylin DeBoer have given me and gifted me that at dramatic levels. And I thought coming into the season, their cultures were as strong as anybody. And I say that because these staffs and these programs have really tried to get to know one another. I think it's different. A lot of times we know that Roster overhaul and transfers are what they are, but the programs that are still most connected, the ones that can still lean on each other and have that element of trust within, you know, the schematic side of it. But also when you look to your left, look to your right, and it's a big third down, it's a critical moment in a loud environment. Can you lean on that guy? And I think those two programs clearly can do that. They've separated themselves. And I think we're going to have an epic game. You got two teams that, you know, the fan bases hate each other. Let's just be blunt about it. You've got two teams that have epic games since these two head coaches have taken over. Last year, it was the throw of the year for Michael Penix Jr. down the left sideline to win the game against the Ducks. Of course, his Audible you know, to win the game to Roma Dunze the last time they played earlier this season, the missed field goal, the fourth down, opportunities for the Ducks. I think we have a very similar game. I think it'll feel like a playoff game. Uh, I don't know who's going to win. I understand what the spread is currently, but I think you've got championship programs that love to meet the moment and are ready for it. Bo Nix will not be nervous in this game. Michael Penix Jr. will not be nervous in this game. These defensive fronts will be aggressive in this game. I don't think you'll see a lot of busts. I think you'll see elite football. And if Oregon wins, and I've been saying this for weeks now, if Oregon wins in a beautiful, classic tight game, and there's chaos in the other title games, we're looking at two of the four best teams in America, if that is the case on Friday night. Because I think that it's dramatically inappropriate to say, well, if Bama wins, then Georgia automatically gets in. Georgia's left their home stadium four times this year. They're not leaving their home state in their title game. I get that they've been elite the last couple of years, but this season, I don't think they've been that. So if there is chaos and other teams losing their title games, this is a beautiful game as I anticipate it to be, and it's a one-score win, if it's the Ducks, the conversation should not be unrealistic when you're talking about two teams from the pack if other teams lose in their conference championship games on Saturday.
0: We are talking to Yogi Roth. All right, so Yogi, what about that, considering that chaos? What if excuse me, what if Bama does beat Georgia? What if Bama does beat Georgia in the SEC SEC title game? Given how much the SEC has dominated the CFP, is it possible if Bama wins that game that neither one of them does get in?
1: Yeah, I think it's a fair conversation. I mean, look, you can't ignore conference championship one and you can't ignore head-to-head. And you look at, let's just say Texas wins in that instance and they win the Big 12, which I'd imagine they would. Well, they won the game, and I get that Bama's a different team than they were when they played the first time, but you can't ignore the games. I'm old school in that regard. Uh, I get to present to the committee on behalf of the Pac-12. You you kind of pitch your case every couple weeks. We'll do it again tomorrow morning, and we'll make the case for how strong the Pac-12 champion is, even if it's a one-loss Oregon, because that'll be the dialogue. Well, a one-loss Oregon, should they get in over a one-loss Alabama? That loss was to Texas, and I understand all that, and I think Probably for the committee, it'll come down to who are the four best? What are the best bodies of work? Who are the best if you give them a month off? And and I've asked Bill Hancock, the head of the committee, that question. I've asked former chairs of the committee that question, like Rob Mullins. I've asked people like Rick George who've been on the committee. Is it four best? Is it four best bodies of work? And they say there's the human element. And I think when you look at the 13 members in that room, that's the decision they're going to have to make. And they're going to have to wrestle with that of, oh, the big, bad SEC, they usually get an automatic, and I get why they—they've been talented. But nobody in any part of the country plays Chattanooga or Louisiana Monroe in Week Eleven. They play their rival, right? They play eight conference games versus nine conference games in the Big Ten, or nine conference games in the Pac-12, or the Big Twelve. And I think those are all fair points if the margins are as small in that example as as you presented, Jim. So, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what they'll do. I'll be fascinated to watch. I've always been a fan of chaos when it comes to the CFP because I want to see what the 13 humans do. These are computers. This is the Mountain West championship game. I mean, the computers aren't deciding this one. And I'd be curious what they decide to do. They're going to lean on historicals. Gosh, I hope not. I hope they look at reality and how teams have played And what they've done throughout the season, including when they played each other, which is the Texas-Alabama reference.
0: We are talking to Yogi Roth. All right, Yogi, what about, you mentioned the big, bad SEC. What about the big, bad Big Ten? Do you think that Jim Harbaugh and the rest of the Michigan men can us against the world all their way to a natty? And if so, given the fact that he was suspended twice for six games, would that title be tainted if they did?
1: Yeah, I think they're easily talented enough to do that I mean, we haven't seen them tested like a lot of the teams that are in consideration for the cfp just based on their schedule and based on who the big 10 has been this year in terms of ranked opponents only two ranked opponents all season long but they're they're easily talented enough a really physical outfit i'm a big fan of jj mccarthy uh their quarterback they've got one of the best backs in the country of course so yes they've got all the tools to do it what's fascinating is kind of the mantra of them against the world like how long can that thing play out uh can it carry them for a couple more games it probably can I've never been a fan of making an opponent the focal point I've always been a fan and this is kind of the Pete Carroll in me we used to always talk about it at SC all the time of like it was just about us so I'd be curious to see how the team handles environments as they get larger and larger and of course the Big Ten title being one and then assuming they get to the playoff how do they handle those those environments and those opponents will be really curious to watch, especially given the last couple of years. But they've got all the tools to do it. Uh, will it be tainted? Yeah, I think it will be tainted. Uh, how, how can it be when you look at the numerous uh, penalties that have been imposed upon Michigan? And when you look at what you know they are accused of doing and seemingly based on the penalty of Jim Harrow being suspended found guilty of doing which is sending a staffer on the road, to sit in stadiums in a detailed plan to curate and figure out what opponents are signaling during games. And none of us are ever going to know, you know, where they whispered to the coordinators, to the play callers, to the players. And there's a bunch of video evidence to, I think, allude to, yes, but none of us really know for sure. And, and I'm a fan of giving people the benefit of the doubt. So I don't want to come down on it, like say, I know this in in totality, but I do know that it'll be tainted. I also know that the players probably don't care. And the staff doesn't care. And the fan base doesn't. They, they want to go win. And I think at the end of the day, what matters most in college football is winning. And and, and that's kind of where we net out here heading into the playoffs. So, yeah, an interesting dynamic, one that I don't think you, I definitely, I have never seen anything like this. Uh, I've been involved in college football for a long time. I was a signaler when I was at USC. I was trying to figure out the opponent's signals in game, but never anything, uh, anything even close to a concept or uh, an imagination around, yeah, we're going to go send somebody to other people's games. I and mean, that was just a concept that is so foreign uh, to me, uh, dramatically inappropriate, too, if, if they're found completely guilty of that, which you know, they they definitely have some guilt in that. We know that it did go down. So, yeah, it'll be tainted, man. But I think if they win it, I don't think to be a player in that locker room that'll worry about what other people say about the title when they're hoisting it up and smoking their cigar.
0: They won't care. Yogi Roth joining us. I agree. They will not care. One last thought. You mentioned USC. It's been a pretty disappointing year for them. They went 7-5 and five, despite having Caleb Williams back. And primarily, of course, Yogi, because of defensive issues, where do you see him projecting on the next level? Do you see him as a can't-miss, transcendent talent regardless of where he ends up?
1: Yeah. Caleb Williams is such a special individual i've known him since he was 16 years old when he came through the elite 11 which is kind of the premier high school quarterback camp and then i've covered his time at sc probably as much detail as anybody just from living out here and calling a bunch of their games and he's a one percenter He's the best quarterback I've ever seen in my 20 plus years now in major college football. Uh, When you go to practice, you would love this gym. You know, you just kind of hang around afterwards, want to watch what guys are like, not just with the media, but with their teammates. He was always around his teammates, always staying late, always not just throwing extra balls to his wideouts, but, you know, playing games, joking around, sitting on the grass, just soaking in the afterglow of a practice or adding to the culture and chemistry of a program. Uh, he's, He's done it every which way. I know it, he will get picked apart because that's what we do to the top quarterbacks in the country every time when we start talking about the NFL draft and their futures or the Heisman or whatever it might be. But he is he is as legit as they come. Uh, he's also the one of one. He, he's truly the blueprint of an NIL quarterback in the transfer portal era. He's, no one has ever had to deal with what he's dealt with. No one's ever had to deal with what he's dealt with in L.A. And nobody's had the success that he had off the field in college football. And I think that's noteworthy because there isn't a blueprint of how to do that. It wasn't perfect always. The team obviously wasn't perfect always, but, God, he, he put them on his back. He showed up was a tremendous teammate in the locker room, uh, off the field. I mean, anybody you talk to around that program glows about the type of human Caleb is I I would echo that from knowing him and his family over the course of just covering this team a huge fan of him I think wherever he goes he'll make that environment a lot better
0: once again, an analyst for the Pac 12 Network, a former USC assistant football coach. He is the host of an excellent podcast, The It Factory. He is a filmmaker. He's a motivational speaker, the author of The Five Star QB, and a really good friend of this program, Yogi Roth. Yogi, appreciate you so much. What a great job. Have a great, great weekend because it is a great time, man. Great talking to you.
1: Hey, man, lots of love. Always a joy to come out. Admire you on so many fronts and can't wait to do it again, brother.
0: U.S. Cellular wants to help everybody get the gift of connection this holiday season. Already a customer? This applies to you too because right now, new and current customers can get any phone, and I mean any phone, for free. Yes, really free. Sounds like it's time to make the switch. Spread holiday cheer far and wide this season with a new phone. Everybody can get the gift of connection at U.S. Cellular. Get any phone free today. U.S. Cellular, built for us. Terms apply. Visit uscellular.com for details. Hey, Vance Smack, Bobby Petrino is returning to Arkansas because he missed riding the local hogs. And I don't mean motorcycles. Vance Vance in Knoxville, or Vaughn, I should say. Sorry about that, Vaughn. So why don't we get into it? let me ask you this. When you think about the greatest comeback stories in recent sports history, what comes to mind? What do you think of first? I mean, in no particular order you think about things like the Red Sox coming back from 3-0 to beat the Yankees. Or obviously you think about the Patriots coming back from down 28-3 to to beat the Falcons. Maybe Tiger Woods coming back and winning the Masters. Maybe Alex Smith coming back from one of the probably the single most gruesome injury in NFL history. All amazing comebacks, awe-inspiring comebacks. Well here's another one to add to the list. maybe to the top of the list, this one might be the most unlikely comeback story I think I've ever heard. and I've been in this game a long time, yo. Somehow some way, Bobby Petrino was just hired by Arkansas again for real. Bobby Petrino was rehired by Arkansas. For real. I mean, you got to love the SEC. SEC. Always going to SEC. Like, the SEC, to me, is not even just a conference apart or a conference unlike any other. The SEC is its own world. The SEC is its own galaxy. Now, granted, Arkansas did not bring him back as the head coach. Not yet they didn't. But no. Right now, they did not hire him as the head coach, only the offensive coordinator, but the offensive coordinator. We're not talking about one of those deals, one of those reclamation projects where Nick Saban brings a guy in and they bring him in as, I don't know, a glorified intern or quality control assistant or consultant. No, hell no. Petrino is the offensive coordinator. Hell, the fact that this dude can even show what's left of his face in Fayetteville is miraculous enough. Let alone start pulling a paycheck from that university once again. It's incredible. How about a quick recap? For those of you who may have forgotten the last time, Bobbo was rolling around in the mud in Fayetteville. Or maybe... I've got some young listeners that don't know the background. So Petrino, and granted, a respected offensive mind, or at least he was, was the head coach from 2008 to 2011 at Arkansas. And honestly, he was doing a hell of a good job. He was killing it. He was killing it there before nearly killing himself and his career. Does that ring a bell? You remember, right in the midst of it all, As he was winning, he one day gets on his hog. He lied about riding that hog alone, only to find out a 25-year-old woman, whom he hired and was having an affair with, was on the back of the hog with him. He then laid said hog right down on the pavement and left half his face in the gravel on the roadway. She apparently was okay. This is how it sounded.
1: The biggest problem for-
0: you had it right the first time, Albie. This is how it sounded. We found some audio. It's Bobby Petrino leaving half his face in the gravel. Allegedly. That was way back in 2012. That was way back in 2012 and as far as I can tell they're still picking this guy's face out of the pavement today. So way back then because of all that they break him off and because he was fired for cause he was not allowed to be hired back by the university. Yet here we are. Here the bleep we, here are. we, are. Here the f- we are. I thought that you were not allowed to hire this guy back. He was fired for cause. They had a rule. If you get fired for cause, you cannot be rehired at any point. Yet here he is. And once again, we'll be pulling a check from a school that he allegedly was never allowed to return to. I mean, all that bleep actually happened, right? For one, I have the audio of it. You just heard it. All that bleep actually did happen, right? I mean, the hog, the affair, half his face— being smeared across the pavement. I didn't just dream that, did I? It actually happened. But it just seemed so weird. I mean, it was so cut and dry. This guy can't work there anymore. So I Googled it. I Googled it today just to be sure, and a bunch of images of him missing half his face and rocking a neck brace popped up. So yes, it did actually happen. And yes, yeah, somehow, some way, this dude has worked his way back to Arkansas and they're willing to take him back. I mean, you got to hand it to this dude. The bleep this dude pulls is incredible. I mean, damn, Bob, if you have that in you, if you have that in you, why not skip Arkansas altogether and just show up at the Atlanta Falcons facility and demand that job back? You know, the head coaching job, the one that you quit in the middle of the night, leaving all those letters taped to the players' lockers and beating it the hell out of town in the middle of the night under darkness as a coward. You remember that. I bet enough time, though. Look, if you got that job back at Arkansas, I bet enough time has passed that no one in the ATL remembers that you did them like that either. Except maybe my dude Warwick Dunn. Maybe my dude Warwick Dunn, who came on this show back in the day and essentially thought that you were the biggest snake and the biggest rat ever for doing what you did.
1: The biggest problem for us was Bobby Petrino. He just wasn't a good guy. You can't, for six months tell guys to buy into your system, to believe in what you're believing in, but you're doing everything to hold up your end. And he didn't do that. To leave us a letter in our locker when he decided to leave, that was just disrespectful. You don't play a game on Monday night and leave the next day. To me, that just says, you know what, I didn't care about this thing anyway.
0: That's Warwick Dunn. I mean, one of the most stand-up, best guys ever. And not known for that kind of commentary. And he made that very clear. He don't do that. Like, Petrino's like that toxic ex that just keeps finding a way back into your life. It's like that everybody who's ever employed this guy needs to block this dude's number on their phone. Hey, look, I get it. He's a highly regarded offensive coach. But it's been a minute since he really did anything at all impressive. And it's been about three seconds... Since he last flaked on a program. This isn't like all past history. This isn't like, yeah, well, that's what he did back then. But he's different now. No, he's not. He just pulled another Petrino this past June. And he got away with it because, well, because of course he did. He gets away with everything. This dude got hired to be the offensive coordinator at UNLV. And then pieced on them Three weeks later, he's still pulling this crap. And the reason he did that was Jimbo. Desperate Jimbo came calling. And I guess you got to give Jimbo some credit. Give Jimbo some credit for this Petrino revival in the SEC. In fact, he might deserve all the credit because Thinskin was so desperate to save his own ass that Thinskin stole Petrino from UNLV. And brought him back into the SEC. And of course, that didn't work, which is why Petrino was once again looking for another job. I mean, I don't know how this dude does it. Like, never mind falling forward, man. This dude, this dude is more slippery than a bar of wet soap and slimier too. And yet, somehow, he has wormed his way back into Fayetteville. Would it really surprise anybody if he were to worm his way into that job full-time and become the head coach again, only to quit a month after he's the head coach or lays another hog down on the pavement and loses the other half of his face? I don't know. Nothing that happens in the SEC ever surprises me, not even this. But I would have at least expected Arkansas— to finish picking pieces of this guy's face out of the pavement before they brought him back and decided to pay him. And obviously they haven't. Never ever has there been a better example of not dead, can't quit. You simply cannot kill this guy off. Even Jack Savage couldn't kill this guy. You cannot kill this guy off. And as much as he tries, he can't even kill his own career. But you talk about things coming full circle. This dude's back in Arkansas. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Hey, Rome. What's with the... Get your bell ready, Alvin. What's with the about face regarding Arkansas and Bobby P? I'm sure he'll hit the ground running and help the team scrape together a few wins. Chad from Orlando. At Mosh Pit Chat is in, quote, the Bobby Petrino news highlights two things. Saying something means nothing anymore. You know, high school athlete commitments, college policies, etc. Also, dudes will do some really dumb things for some action. We're leaving half your face on the pavement and still coming out good. I don't know that he came out well or good, I mean, as I mentioned, they are still picking bits of his face out of the gravel. But he came out of it. He came out the other end. I'm not saying he came out well. This guy's had quite an odyssey and journey since then. But isn't it amazing? If you keep what's left of your face to the grindstone, you can stay in the game. And he did. It's incredible. Ken writes, hey, Rome. Nothing wrong with Arkansas rehiring Bobby Petrino. It happens. Sincerely, Phil Collins divorcing his wife. She took all of his money, and then they get remarried only for her to lock him out of their house and divorce him again. Hashtag, she has an invisible touch. I got to be honest. I hate that song. I got to be equally honest. I hate all of his songs. Alvin, Alvin, thank you. Alvin. Jeez, Alvin, come on. Hey, Pim, two questions. Thank you, Alvin. Are you prepared to stop an ass kicking when one of your guests doesn't agree with the selection committee? Two. Does Mr. DeLauro still have that old school, that's whack, drop? If so, he missed a few great opportunities when you were talking about the in-season tourney, Jeff and Bugahaw. Good point. That's good whack. point. Now, hey, listen, what these guys do, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? Like, the XR4TI, they all have their own social media accounts, and some of them use them more than others. It's clear to me that some of you are trying to establish your own brands. I get it. Also, though, some of you have dialed way back to commit to the brand. I get that, too. As far as Jack Savage threatening people on his brand and platform, I mean, it's it's new. We haven't dealt with that before. I haven't had other members of the XR4TI threaten to give anybody the hands. I've always been very, very careful about letting guys know, hey, listen, you you represent yourself, but you do represent me. These hands. And you represent the company, and you represent the company I work for. Be very careful what you push out there. I'm not saying what you can and can't push out as content. I'm saying be smart. Be careful. What I'm saying is don't threaten to kill somebody or kick somebody's ass, Jack Savage. But it's too late, dude. You can't delete it. It's been screenshotted. Now you gotta either back it up or back down. I don't know how you wanna deal with that. But I get it, it's family. And you don't wanna see Grandpa take any. Trust me, Grandpa can handle it. He's been around. Grandpa Grandpa is in the College Football Hall of Fame. Grandpa Grandpa is a former head coach. Grandpa is a former AD. Grandpa is a legend. He's seen it all. He's heard it all. I'm sure he appreciates your youthful energy and you're willing to fight the internet. But you may have to fight the internet, brah. Because there's going to be some unhappy people. Trust me. There will be people on the outside looking in. They're going to be really pissed. And now, since you've threatened to fight them, you might have to. Grandpa, look at Augustus. Grandpa, look at Texas. Grandpa, look at Augustus. No worry. He can't. Grandpa, Grandpa, look at the Longhorns. Now Grandpa, I have to fight look, everybody in Grandpa, Texas. Look. Grandpa, look at my X feed Hey, don't worry. Jim won't read it. The hell go, he won't. Augustus. Jim's already hacked into all. his account so I can get to the DMs. Damn, Savage, they're pissed. <laughs> I don't know, dude. What's up with you? You're like You're like the most agreeable guy. I mean, you come in a little tired every morning, but, dude, your energy is good once you wake up and you've had your first cup. Everybody loves you. You love everybody. You make it better, dude. You're like the nice dude. You're like the good guy. You're not in bad moods ever. And here you are online threatening to give people the hands. And then here's here's James Kelly saying, I'll take some of that action. Uh, He's like, I'm betting on Savage. Savage could jack some guys up. He's getting away from us. Anyway, the, the point is not that he threatened to fight people. The point is that his grandfather is Chris Alt, and I didn't know it and had to find out about it on the X. If you missed our number one. SoCal Jeff writes, press, wasn't Bobby Petrino fired for cause and not allowed to be hired back? Arkansas AD. Hey, well, let's, let's not get, into, get that right into that right now. now. Yeah. The thing is, I don't think, Tommy, uh, check that out. It's pretty tight, man. Can you get any tighter on that shot? It's not the AD. The AD does not have the authority to bring this guy back. I think it's got to come directly from the president. It goes to the very top. That was, in fact, a rule. When they fired him for cause, it was written in. It was a rule. You cannot ever bring him back. He was fired for cause. You can't ever bring him back is code for if we wait long enough and we get desperate enough and we have the right president, we will bring him back. And what's the left of his face. Just make sure he doesn't go running out to the local Harley dealer. I wonder if there's a motorcycle clause in this new contract or a 25-year-old female clause in this contract. A co-ed clause, if you will. Hey, Jim, I want to see a, a cage match between two legendary bikers, Tan Smack v. Bobby Petrino. Bet Bobby wins that face-off. Robin Green Bay, well played. Listen, unlike Bobby... I didn't do anything wrong when I was on the back of that hog. Nor did the two gals, the one in the front and the one in the back, do anything wrong when they were engaged in that tan smack Sando. We didn't do anything wrong. I didn't hire them. They didn't work for me. I wasn't having an affair with them. I did not lay the hog down on the ground and leave half My gloriously tanned face on the pavement. It's not a good comparison. Dear Jack Savage, your grandpa is on the CFP selection committee? Must be nice. My grandpa is a freeloading POS. Yours, Charlie Bucky. Grandpa, look at Augustus. Savage got serious family which is why I think Savage is not that serious. He's got serious family, yo. His grandpa is a legend and a Hall of Famer. His dad is a legend and the baseball coach at UCLA. His mom is a killer. His mom, like, (laughs) when Jack started working here, his mom hit him up with, good, good, Jack. I'm glad you got a job. Well done. Good, good. When are you going to start working out again? His mom hit him with that. Not his dad. Not his granddad. His mom. And he's like, "Uh, right away, Ma. Right away, Mom. (laughs) Did she hit you with that? Is that her? Nah, it's Scotty Farrell. It's not Jack Savage's mom. All right, a couple of you have made this point too. Dave, the Rocky guy writes, don't forget about Jay Stu on a dating show. No, but I knew that though. I'm talking about guys on the staff who did things that I did not know about as part of their side hustle or had relationships that I did not know about. We knew about Stu. That was the legendary date that he had on blind date. The icon, Roger Lodge, set that up. Roger Lodge was a big, big jungle guy. He is still to this day. I'll get the occasional text from Roger Lodge. And that show was an iconic show. And as a, I guess you want to pay homage to this program or to Jay Stew. Jay Stew was getting a lot of acting gigs at that time. So he was in demand. And I think Roger thought, man, you know what would be great? You know what would be great? Let's put Jay Stew on blind date. Blind date was a very big deal back in the day. So Jay Stew goes out on this date with some gal from the 909. I'm not judging. From the 909, she had a bad attitude, man. Like, I don't want to say she was a B, but she was a B. She hated him.
1: And Stu Stu was just doing
0: really stupid Stu things, and it just went sideways and went off the rails, which made it even better, right? Best content. But at the very end, remember, they always say, hey, would you go out on a date with him or her again? She was pretty emphatic about, I'm never going near that mole-face Fat guy ever again.
2: Jason is not my type. He's an idiot, and I don't ever want to see him again. No second date.
0: You sound like... Could you be a little more clear? You sound like you're on the fence and you're unsure. Would you like to go out with Jay Stu again?
2: Jason is not my type. He's an idiot, and I don't ever want to see him again. No second date.
0: You clearly need more time to think about it. I know the show is only 21 minutes, and it's really concise, and we got to get this thing out there, but we, we really need an answer. Take a deep breath and think about it. Would you like to go out with Jay Stu again? Jason
2: is not my type. He's an idiot, and I don't ever want to see him again. No second date.
0: I mean, dude, she's bam, bam, bam. Stu had his fa- half his face on the pavement somewhere. He was in a gutter. Listen to the way she nailed that.
2: Jason is not my type. He's an idiot, and I don't ever want to see him again. No second
0: date. And you think that Rex Lee dunked on me. You think that Rogues dumped on the big head. Yeah. Listen to this gal dunking all over Stu.
2: Jason is not my type. He's an idiot, and I don't ever want to see him again. No second date.
0: Not, I don't want to go out with him again. I don't ever want to see him again.
2: Jason is not my type. He's an idiot, and I don't ever want to see him again. No second
0: date. Jason's not my type. He's an idiot. I don't ever want to see him again. No second date.
2: Jason is not my type. He's an idiot and I don't ever want to see him again. No second date.
0: Wow. Like, dude, what did you do or say that night? Anyway. I've had problems
2: with dry skin a lot of my life. uh Uh-huh. And my dermatologist told me that Americans have dry skin and in other countries they bathe once or twice a week. So their skin naturally moisturizes their skin. That's just gross. I. I go three and four days without bathing or showering or soaping. And that's something you want to well, tell everyone?
0: I don't know, Stu. Like, because of my loyalty and fondness for you back in the day, we crushed her and had your back. But now that time has gone on and I've got enough like, distance from that and I just look at it for what it is, I got to say, dude, I'm kind of on her side.
2: Jason is not my type. He's an idiot, and I don't ever want to see him again.
0: She makes a good point. Like, dude, you want to share that? Bad enough that you do that and that you've got no regard for hygiene whatsoever. But you want to go on national TV and admit that? And you want to get with me? I think what Stu did is the thing that I won't do. He pandered to the clones, man. He gave the clones what they wanted. And he pulled a lot of other other acts that night on my that show my
2: chest you got there <laughs>
0: very sexy yeah
2: <laughs>
0: but what about the boiler it's boiling
2: it's pretty boiling I mean just the way the hair goes around like this you don't just you can't buy this the way it goes around like this He's talking about his gut. Think that's sexy? Women die for this. Seriously. Why? 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 Oh, it looks like you have three boilers.
0: Where? I mean, that was a contentious date, and I'm starting to like her more and more. All right, so why don't we talk about the NBA in-season tourney? Gotta to admit, I'm sort of surprised, sort of impressed. Surprised that any of the players actually knew what was happening and impressed at how seriously they seemed to be taking it. I had no idea the tournament would have dudes putting other dudes in headlocks and dragging them around the court in November. I had no idea this tournament would push AD to actually push another dude to the ground using his two hands. Again, I had no idea the players would even be aware that it was taking place. Although the hideous courts definitely did help because there's no way you can look down at that abomination beneath your feet and forget what you're playing for. That was smart bite yours. And by the way, what are they playing for? What are they playing for again? A trip to Vegas? Some cash? Yeah, because NBA players need either of those two things. Because they're running short on cash and they can't get to Vegas? Does anybody in the NBA really need to win a tournament to take a trip to Vegas? Is that actually some sort of incentive or motivation to anybody in that league? Those were the questions I had before I saw Draymond dragging Rudy Gobert around the court by the neck. And AD getting physical under the hoop. And then all of a sudden I'm like, you know what? This might actually work. Last night's tournament games then created brand new questions. Biggest one being, the hell is happening here? Like, if you were confused by all the machinations and various potential outcomes of the last night of the group stage of the inaugural in-season tourney, you were not the only one. It doesn't make any sense. Right. And I'm not the only one. Even coaches and players themselves seem pretty weirded out and pretty confused. Weirded out because the star of the in-season tourney is a stat that has never meant a damn thing before in the NBA. Point differential. The ties in this ridiculous group stage of this ridiculous tournament are broken by head-to-head record first, and then, of course, point differential next, which led to a bunch of really weird and awesome scenarios around the league last night. I say weird and awesome because generally weird is good. Which is why I enjoy the chaos. As meaningless and confusing as it seemed to be. As an example, follow me here. The Celtics and Bulls. The Celtics needed to win that game and they needed to win that game by a lot in order to advance. Which is why they kept their starters playing heavy minutes all the way to the end of that game. Even though they were winning by 29 entering the fourth quarter. Even better than that, they resorted, this is incredible, they resorted to intentionally fouling Andre Drummond while up 32 with seven minutes left. You think Eddie Munster had a problem with that? I'm not talking about vampire boy behind the glass. I'm talking about the vampire boy who coaches the Bulls. But for how much longer is anybody's guess? Anyway, he got into it with Joe Missoula for going hackadrummond with a 32-point lead. The problem is, it really wasn't a 32-point lead. It was really only like a 9-point lead because the Celtics had to win by 23 to advance. They were just doing what they had to do or thought they had to do. I had a couple of thoughts on this. Andre could just hit some free throws and then this wouldn't be a problem. And also, wow, this is dumb, man. This is so dumb and so bad. It's actually awesome. The tournament being structured so the teams have to run up the score on each other and piss each other off for absolutely no reason is actually kind of genius. It's like Ears is the only one who gets it. Ears knew this would happen. He's smart. You can't tell me he didn't know this would happen. If you put point differential in there as a determining factor, of course this crap is going to happen. So what happens? Now you've got stars in blowouts that have no reason being in the game, risking injury, and maybe impacting their title chances. You want to talk about idiotic. Give me more. I can't get enough of this idiocy. I mean, it's weird and weird as hell, and it is awesome. But it's weird. Don't take it from me. Take it from pretty much everybody involved last night, starting with Joe Mazzulla.
1: You're having a conversation with a coach in the middle of the game about why you're winning by so much. I mean, how weird is that for you? Uh, I mean, it's only weird because it's new. Like, to me, it's like, it's just weird because it's new. It's different, five, six years. Like, you go back, like, I truly love watching the european tournaments and the style that they have and so like five six years from now this is going to be like just normal and so it's only weird because it's new when people have to get used to that
0: yeah no dude absolutely not i know for a fact it's not weird because it's new it's when people will get used to it it's weird because it's weird i don't think that intentionally fouling While up 32 points is going to feel normal or natural in 5 or 6 years. Or 50 or 60 years. It's completely jacked up. Which is why I like it so much. It's like both the worst and best idea ever. I was so prepared to hate this thing. And I did. Until I started to love this thing. And I started to love this thing the second it became a complete bleep show that is what it's become. But that's not just me. Well, that is actually just me. I think I'm the only one who likes it. Jalen Brown, for instance, he hates
1: it. It's tough because, uh, I mean, that's just not how the game is supposed to be played, you know. Um, one, you got to respect your opponents. And and two, like, you know, it's just we're weird setup. You know, we understand the rules, but... Like, if I was another team, I would be upset as well if we were doing, you know, the Hacker Drummond in the middle of the fourth quarter. But, you know, um, our coaching staff made their decisions, and we we stick with it.
0: Yeah, that is so good. I'd be pissed, too, if I were the other team and employed the Hacker Drummond. Listen, I understand that perspective. You know, the Hacker Drummond. And I understand the whole how the game is supposed to be played But one problem, Jay, how the game is supposed to be played went right out the damn window a long time ago, right around the time guys started sitting out for no reason, right around the time guys started requesting trades every time the wind blew in a different direction. This is why Ears and his minions came up with the idea in the first place, Jalen, because nobody gives a damn about the regular season including the players, especially the players. And I didn't give a damn about this lame in-season tournament either until I saw how much the players hated it and the confrontations that were resulting from it and dudes getting suspended and dudes getting dragged around the floor by their neck. Now I want more. Now I actually, for the first time ever, care about the regular season. As long as it includes... Complete bleep activity like this every night. I care about it. Way to go, ears. As I mentioned, my dude, David Stern, is looking down on his young protege, smiling for coming up with such a brilliant idea. Or he's looking up, considering dude is in the ground. I, I don't know where Stern is. I just know he's happy. He's proud of his young protege. Yeah, I know. Crazy, right? A positive take. A positive take on the NBA in-season tournament. See, I'm not like the rest of you. I'm not here to hate. I'm here to have an open mind. I did hate it, and then I watched it, and now I love it because the players hate it, and the coaches are butthurt, and they're fighting. It's awesome. Good
1: on you, ears. Good night!